Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil, joined as always by Terry in Minnesota with me and Bob in Virginia. We are three distinct voices bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into the conversation. We want you to join in the conversation. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leaving a message there. You may also email us at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Please remember to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening and share with one person. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house in Minnesota in the Midwest. But now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations will be a light for you as they are for us. Now, let us begin this week's conversation. Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. We are three distinct voices with varied backgrounds coming together in the Catholic faith to discuss relevant topics happening in our church and in the world. We don't care if you listen. This podcast is really for our benefit. But if you do listen, please subscribe and give us a five-star review on iTunes. The topic we're going to talk about today is COVID-19, the coronavirus, how it's impacted our church and the world. Our first discussion topic tonight will be, how has the church handled it? What are our thoughts on that? And then other political leaders from our local governments to our state government to our national government. How has that been handled? I'll kick it over to Bob and Terry to start. Thanks a lot, Phil. Hi, Phil and Terry. Guys, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, so, so, uh, our, our listeners, the ones that we don't want to listen, but may be listening anyway, we thank you for listening. Uh, I'm in Virginia. I, I currently reside in Northern Virginia and Terry and Phil are in Minnesota. So we're in different parts of the United States. So we have different experiences. And we're going to talk a little bit about how COVID-19 and, and how the church handled the, the start of COVID-19. Terry, what, what was your sense from what you saw, at least in your area? You're, you're very, you work, you work with the church quite a bit. Uh, what was, what was kind of your uh, take on this? Do you, do you, how this was handled? Well, to be honest with you, Bob, uh, I think that the diocese was put in as all, as were all dioceses across the country, put in a very uh, vicarious situation where I don't think that they were really given a choice. Um, they were told by the government that churches need to shutter. And um, there were, my understanding, um, there were going to be legal ram ramifications if you didn't. So I think the church did the best that they could with the situation that they were presented. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. That was the same thing here in Virginia and across the whole country, because we did see the, you know, bishops across the country come together and kind of speak with one voice. But, but I was a little disappointed be initially, and that's probably because of me and I was probably being petty about this, but that the fact that, you know, we couldn't in this time of crisis be allowed to 
to go to a place of refuge that's so important to us normally, but especially in a, in a time of crisis. And then also being, you know, forfeiting, having the chance to experience, you know, consuming the Eucharist. It, it has been a really, really tough situation for me to deal with during this COVID-19. Phil, how, how about for you? Well, I've been extraordinarily blessed in that I have assisted with our mass recordings. So I've been blessed to receive uh, periodically throughout the Easter season um, when my priest would ask me to help record. So I, I did not have as much of a fast as many people. Um, so I've been blessed in that. But there's still the time in between. And I would, I would say, uh, looking at it from my kids' perspective, especially when it first started, they had such a hunger, um, even when they heard that I was going to go to um, record that they, you know, they wanted me to bring uh, the body of Christ back, back home in a pics. And I was recommended not to do that. Um, I was asked not to do that. And then to that, their hunger, I would say, in some ways has kind of waned as this has gone on for months now in Minnesota. So, you know, you can already see kind of a tide turning. I know this is another topic we're going to talk about, but, you know, I, I can see how the church responded and some of the impacts I've seen in my own children. You know, I, I agree, Terry, with you that there seemed to be no choice for the churches, but part of my um, frustration was it seemed like they were just, you know, it seemed like they were almost willing accomplices in some respects that we could just shut this down. And I understand this is an unprecedented time. You know, we, there were other things that we looked at, like uh, there were drive through, uh, you know, during the Lenten time, drive through uh, uh, absolution, right? Confession, mm -hmm. some of these other things. So there were priests and, and parishes, dioceses getting creative, but we didn't seem to get creative at all to find an opportunity to distribute the Eucharist. Now, maybe that wasn't possible, um, but it just seems like to me that we, we just totally withdrew this from, you know, from our diet, from our spiritual diet, which was so important, you know? And, and so I have a totally different perspective than you guys, because as Phil said, Phil was able to participate in mass with his assistance at, at the local church. And Terry, you as well were able to uh, at least once or twice be able to do that as well, correct? Yes. So, so may, you know, I'm coming at it from, uh, you know, I've been cold turkey since we shut this down and I totally feel like I'm missing something in my life that I need, especially on a weekly basis, you know, and, and a video of watching mass for me just doesn't do it. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, I, for me, I think that, um, I think the United States, the, the United States of Catholic bishops, as well as the United States government saw what was going on as the 
if you want to call it a tsunami, the tsunami was rolling our way. They saw what was happening in South Korea. They were happening, saw what was happening in China. They saw what was happening in Italy and in Spain. And they basically said, we really just need to totally shut this down till we can figure out what we're dealing with because we don't want to be like them. But we're worse than them. I'm watching tonight. We're over 100,000 deaths. We have significantly more cases than any other country in the world that's reported, right? So maybe the Chinese have more. Who knows? Right. But but we, you know, it, a, a point could be, really, what did we do this for? We understood that we were allowing the, the uh, hospitals to get ready so they wouldn't be overrun with ICU patients. You know, now we're starting to open up again. Um, but, you know, I, th I think there's some of those questions out there about really was it all for that when there's still discussion that 70% of the population needs to get infected for herd immunity anyway. Maybe, maybe there would have been a better way to go about this and not withdraw, you know, church services completely from us. I guess that's, that's the only thing I throw out there for discussion. Sure, sure. I agree. <clears throat> but I think it's going back to March when we started to shutter things down. I think my sense, my two cents uh, with this is that. If it's if worth it's, that. <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> is that the Catholic church did the best they could, you know, given the situation that they were confronted with. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. Um, and it's easy to sit here at the end of May and say, well, back in March, you know, we should have been doing this, but in the thick of things, as information was rolling in, as we were finding out the details of this disease, I think my my sense of it is is that we really didn't see any other choice but to keep things closed down and to keep people as far away from each other as possible. And I think when it first started, I was totally on board with, you know, we need to close this down for what they said, like two weeks or however long. I was okay with that, right? Let's have a little breather period. Let's get, re, you know, reassess whatever. But then when it just kept getting extended and extended and extended, that was part of my angst. And I think that's probably, I think that's more from, you know, the the, the government side where it just kept getting extended and extended. Um, and, and even up until, you know, late last week over the weekend, did we even have any kind of reprieve from the allowance from the government as stated by the state of Minnesota for worship services to continue or to start back up. Well, and, and, and acknowledge that civic leaders, you know, not everywhere, but in the majority of the United States have been heavy handed and, and to give them a little bit of slack because this is an unprecedented situation and, what the public health people are telling them, you know, part of the, part of the issue also was the church community 
and, and I'm going to talk about our church community, uh, not being a little bit more proactive and maybe even militant until now they've become a little bit more militant to say, you know, hey, maybe we can do this. And, and even if we can't, where's the creativity besides just drive through absolution? But is there some sort of creativity that we could do to, uh, you know, distribute Eucharist to people, you know, and, and still keep that going? Maybe that was, maybe that, maybe all that happened and they couldn't come up with anything. I'm just not sure that we had that creativity because I think at times we're a rigid organization that can limit itself in that type of thinking. I, I think that's Are a you good lead in creative thinking, Bob. Yeah, they're, they're just right. So, so when there's a problem, right, and a problem needs to be solved, and it's maybe an unprecedented problem, at times that you know the the book that you have that says this is how we solve this problem may not work. So sometimes you have to say, okay, we got to go outside that, right? Got to think outside the box, right? Is the term that's mm-hmm. used a lot to try to solve this problem. And, and how are we going to still shepherd to those folks and still be safe think, about it? And, and they're trying to, I think they're trying to do that now. Yeah. Sure. I, I think that's a good lead into our next topic. Um, you know, now that churches are opening, we'll pause for 10 seconds. So our next topic is, you know, now that churches are starting to open or will be opening soon, you know, what does it look like and how are we seeing some of that creativity uh, come about? I'll give one instance. Uh, there's a parish in, out in the archdiocese that when they're distributing the Eucharist, they're actually doing it at the end of mass. So they're distributing to each person in their pew. They're not having people walk up. So the priest or the deacon are going around and, and distributing to each person individually. And then as a person receives, then they're dismissed. So that's one instance I've seen. Um, and that's a local one, one that's uh, farther in the Southeast uh, where the priest is behind plexiglass um, and is wearing gloves. So we kind of have one, one, one perspective and another perspective, one extreme to the other, maybe two different perspectives of people trying to use that creativity, um, you know, to varying degrees of success, I would say. Well, and I, I think that that those are both good ideas, I guess my concern. And so for all those listeners who aren't listening to this podcast, because we don't want them to listen, um, well, we want them to listen, but they don't have to listen because it's not important for them to listen because this is for us or whatever it is you said at the beginning, um, which I agree with, is I'm going to always approach things from more of a critical perspective of where I see I have concerns or where I think things might fail. And sometimes, I, I mean, I might be called a, what would you call me? Glass half empty. I would agree. Now. Yep. Okay. Well, my question is in a lot of these parishes where they've been set, they've been now allowed to have services again, but they need to limit the amount of people, let's say to 
anywhere from 10 people to 25% of their congregation or capacity of the church, our church is going to have more masses. That's my question. In the case of the parish where I attend, no, we're actually uh, dropping it from three masses to two masses because the time it takes to clean in between the masses. So, so I, that at least there's a legitimate argument for saying, okay, we got to bring in that aerosol disinfectant that they use and so on. And that's going to take, it's going to take too long. So we're only going to have two masses. Um, I, I can understand that, but I would hope that there's some creativity about, well, maybe we should provide more masses because our numbers are going to be lower or our capacity is going to be lower to allow that. And, and, and my concern is that the church may go, well, we're just not going to get the people. That's not the point. The point is that you're offering it and it's available to people. Even if only five people come, you know, you're not a cash business, you know, that's trying to make money. Right. You know, and, so the more masses, I've heard that from many other uh, parishes in the area. You know, should we do more masses? Um, one create creative thing that we're trying to use, uh, it hasn't yet been approved yet, but it's pending, is we're also using a parish hall as well as kind of an extension of our sanctuary so that we can get more people in that 25% number instead of you know, only 25% of what can fit in our sanctuary um, just to try to help get more people in for those when we're only offering two masses. So the concern I have here, and then I'll let Terry talk because Terry hasn't talked really in this segment at all is in Northern Virginia, the, the diocese that I'm in, I went on their website, says, hey, we're open, you know, again, hey, come on back or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, come down, the deals are great and all that kind of stuff. And um, and they and they started talking about, let's say, ordination. Ordination has now been rescheduled for 25 June or something like that. Right. But I didn't see any more information about math. <laughs> So I, I think, are they still developing that? Maybe, well, the clock's ticking, right? As, you know, wherever you're listening to this out in podcast land, we're taping this on Wednesday night, you know, and, and the week goes by pretty fast. And next thing you know, it's Saturday, Sunday, you want to know where to, you're going to go to mass or whether or not I'm going to have to drive to Southern Virginia, which has been open for a couple of weeks. So I still think there's some confusion out here when I'm trying to read the websites as to what's going to happen because they're allowed to start having masses in Northern Virginia this weekend. And I turn it over to Terry. Well, and I, in the St. Cloud diocese, I think that, um, you know, some churches are opening up this weekend for Pentecost. Some are still taking the wait and see approach. Um, they want to get their people trained in on all of the extra, uh, cleaning that's gonna and disinfecting that's need needing to go on um in the church that i worship at they're um, looking for volunteers to be part of a new ministry it's called cleaning ministry and therefore these are the folks that are going to going to be going through 
after every mass and they're going to be uh, disinfecting the church, making sure that everything's been wiped down all, you know, I, I believe if I remember correctly, you know, all songbooks and missalettes are going to be removed, which is not a big problem for our church because we have uh, a couple of projection screens that we can have the music on. So um, to be able to still follow along and participate would not be cumbersome without having the uh, missalettes and the, uh, and the songbooks in there. But, um, you know, I, I think... For me, I, I, I guess I'm more of a cautious person, especially when it involves a, a deadly pandemic. Um, I'm, I think that uh, I think that we need to maybe be cautious and careful. Um, I experienced some of those that you know are saying, "Well, you're going to get it no matter what." Well, but if it's kind of like the flu. If you can just stay away from the flu, and this is a lot more deadly than the flu, um, you don't go all around licking doorknobs just to get the flu. You you try to avoid it. You get plenty of rest. You drink your fluids. Here with the with this pandemic, you do your social distancing. You wash your hands. You wear a mask when you're in public. You know, um, I guess you are going to get it. You are. You, I mean, it's a matter of time before well, you get yeah. something, because like yes. the, you've gotten the flu, right? Okay, and, and I understand we're just trying to get to the point where there's a vaccine, because that may help prevent it, or it may help lessen the symptoms uh, or lessen the effects, and you know, depending on what the vaccine can do, or if there's some other sure. therapeutics out there. Um, until that time, Terry if I go to church this weekend, I will make sure that I lick the doorknob <laughs> as I go inside and make sure you um, smear your spit all over the doorknob for everybody else too. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't do that because I mean, that would be irresponsible. And for those folks who are not listening, who are listening, we, we absolutely don't encourage that. We do think COVID-19 absolutely. is a serious deal. And it's especially serious for the church because a lot of our parishioners are elderly folks. They're the ones that are very, uh, very motivated to come every weekend. And we want to protect them as much as possible. I just think, unfortunately, that it's it's some point everybody's going to be touched by this and get infected in some way, shape or form. I, at least that's what the numbers say. What was mm -hmm. it? 70 plus percent of the population worldwide. So, so the majority. All right, folks, we'll be back right after this. Why don't you comment on what you see the future? Uh, you know, mass on TV, which we've been doing now, what's the future? Is there going to be a new normal? Um, you know, how has this affected faith? How do we think, how do we think it's going to affect faith going forward? And, you know, well, how I'm we gonna, navigate I'm going to tackle so that last point first. How does this affect our faith? From what I've heard from the number of people that I've had discussions with, I think this is going to make us as Catholics appreciate what we had when we had it and appreciate it more when we get back into church and we can congregate as a communal body of God. 
What is congregate going to well, look like in the future? Congregate may look, may look vastly different for the time <clears> being. <throat> I do believe in my heart of hearts that we will get back to what we had before COVID-19 introduced itself into our world. Whether that be three or five years down the road, I do believe that we're going to get back to the world that we knew prior to this. It might look a little bit different as the same as 9-11 affected air travel permanently for everybody in the United States. However, oh, go ahead, Bob. You had... Well, that's a, <clears throat> excuse me, that's a real pain <laughs> in the butt going through sure, the TSA. Sure. So, so are we getting to a point where we're going to have basically no contact, no sign of peace, except put your two fingers up and I pray that that's not going to be the new norm. I from my perspective, where, where I see things going, I do not believe that that is going to become the new norm. Um, however, I do believe mm -hmm. that there are those um, that when you see somebody, you may have given them a warm embrace. That warm embrace may be more hesit hesitantly given than prior to... Um, COVID-19. That's, but for me, that's where I, that's where I see things well, heading. Okay. Yeah, I guess so, my comment comments? would be, you know, looking at the faith going forward is that some people may get really comfortable with even some really faithful Catholics, um, people that I know from the community that really enjoy, you know, being able to watch the mass they want to watch um, and hear the people they want to hear preach and all that. You know what I mean? So they may get comfortable with that and lose that hunger. The reason why we go to mass is to participate in the holy sacrifice of the mass where we are given the greatest gift here on earth that is our Lord in the blessed sacrament. So I definitely think that there will be some people that may not return or may not return as often just due to the fact that they found kind of a new normal in the pattern where that we're in right now. And in that they're, they're, they're finding a comfortable in the current mode that we're in. Um, I've, I've seen the impact on my own children on not attending, you know, being in the sanctuary every week or more often and just seeing, you know, as much as we try to emulate what we do at mass in our living room, it's not the same. And the kids know that. Um, and so I, I can already, I can already see, you know, a bit of waning in their hunger, um, even in this short amount of time. Talk a little bit about what's going to happen in the future. I'm pessimistic about what's going to happen because I think as you see the you know world continue to secularize church going continues to decrease especially among the 50 and younger crowd um, and I'm I you know this has been a huge concern you guys know that I, this is a huge concern of mine the future of the church and where we're going and so on um, and I just, this, this pandemic is just 
fertile ground to continue to reinforce that they don't need to go to church to to experience what they need to. They can just watch it on TV and that they're just checking the block and that they're just going to continue to get farther and farther away from going to church, receiving the Eucharist and all those things. And that is a big concern for me. Um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that that is my biggest concern or my main concern. I agree that I think that um, we may have opened a door that's made it easier for people to stay away from our churches, but the true sense of worship in, in my definition of worship is coming together as a faith-filled body of Christ, as a community, and worshiping together in that space, not watching it on YouTube. YouTube was nice. You know, the streaming masses were nice. It still allowed us to stay connected to our church communities. It, it what was it the greatest? Absolutely not. But it was what it was. Um, but I do believe that... Um, You, it's it's not a permanent solution to going to mass for the rest of your life. Right. So what I would say is there's two, two schools of thought. There's a school of thought, which I don't disagree with completely, that, hey, the church has been around for 2,000 plus years, right? And we're going to weather this storm just like we've weathered you know, we weathered, uh, you know, Phil's buddy, Calvin and Zwingli and those guys. And, <laughs> and we said, Arius, you're out. We said all those guys were out, right? Because we did all these councils and so on. And, and I got it. We've been not always Johnny on the spot on that, but we've got to it and we've rectified those situations. And my other friends would tell me, you need to have faith, right? Have faith. And people will come, they'll, they'll come or they won't, but you have to have faith that they'll come. And I don't dismiss that. Like I said, I don't totally disagree with that. That is a part of it. The problem I have is not that we could change now what's happened during the pandemic and what we've done with, you know, uh, the dispensation to not go to mass and watch it on TV or whatever. It is the recognizing that this is fertile ground for the complacency of people, the over-secularization of things to, to de-emphasize religion, to just, you know, not make it important to come back and then to settle for something that's more convenient mm-hmm. and, and that the church doesn't recognize, church leaders don't recognize that, wow, it's already was hard before we had this pandemic. We need to be incredibly proactive to bring the people back, except, you know, instead of just saying, well, we pray, which we need to, we all we need to pray that people come to church, but maybe there's some other things that we need to do to be proactive, 
to try to bring folks back, to reemphasize certain things and that type of thing. That's where I'm coming from because I am much more of the antagonist, the, <laughs> you know, get out in front and let's lead this sucker kind of sure. person. As I agree with that, though. Oh, go ahead. I was, yes, I was just going to say that I agree with that stance in that we do need to get out in front of this and we can't just assume that everyone's going to come flooding back because of the desire that maybe we have in our own hearts. We can't assume everyone has that, um, you know, believe um, recent studies or not. But regardless, there's a lot of people that call themselves Catholic that maybe don't have the full, don't ha harness the fullness of the faith within their heart. Right. There's pieces they may be missing. Maybe one of them is understanding why the Eucharist, right? Or why do we why do we go to Mass? Um, you know, I've heard that many times, and I've heard the complaint many times of other things of, you know, what I get out of it or whatever. But I think I agree with you, Bob. We need to be out in front. We can't hope alone, right? We, um, you know, we... Uh, are given gifts, especially of service, to make sure that we're reaching out to people on the fringes, to everyone, to invite them back as best we can. And to acknowledge Terry's point that community can can take all different kinds of forms. You know, understanding what Terry said as well. So, yep. <clears throat> if it was hospitality. It'd be a different thing. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, but at so, this time, go ahead. Uh, I'd love to invite kind of closing thoughts, and then we'll ask uh, Terry to close us out in prayer. Five stars. <laughs> Remember, five I, stars. I don't think I'm going to get rated that way, but if you do hear our podcast, please rate it five stars. Thank you very much for that. And and this is our first podcast, folks. We're going to get better. Okay. Just hang with us. We're going to get stranger. <laughs> My voice will get hoarser. And uh, I think that's all I need to say for now. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. I agree. So one thing I wanted to say before Terry closes us out with his prayer um, is, you know, that, of course, we need to be fervent in our prayer. We need to reach out to people as best we can so that even our neighbors, maybe those people that we know that have kind of fallen away to invite them back. So make sure that we're being intentional with our invitation make it personal and really make a little bit of an extra effort to invite people to come back to mass with us because a lot of people are probably maybe not feeling that right now either they're comfortable now or they've adapted so just remember to invite um, always a reminder that please subscribe to the podcast our hope is that this will be a weekly podcast. We really thank you for listening to our inaugural ep episode. You can also send us messages on anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics. All right. So let's begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God of all graciousness and goodness, you are the one who shepherds us through the darkness and into the light. Guide us, guide our world, guide our, guide our lives, guide each and every one of us throughout the, these times of trouble, of uncertainty, and of despair. God, bring us to hope, bring us to 
happiness and help us to realize that we are not the ones in control, but you are. We pray all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and it helps you dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics to leave a voice message, or you may also send us an email at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Links will be in the description. Please share this podcast and this episode with at least one person. This will help get the word out and get more people to join into the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to us. This really helps the podcast get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers and is longing to offer each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day. And may God bless you.